0: But within about two days, uh, it cleared up all of the the symptoms. And even then, I, I, I tried so much to get that worked out. I thought, well, this isn't going to last. You know, I'm a great man of faith. And then uh, three or four days, it was still working. And after about a week, I told Paul. I said, I think I finally found something that's going to help me with all of these sinus problems. And uh, I took that stuff for about a year, year and a half, and I was so grateful that I had finally found something that was going to help me with my sinus problems. And then, <clears throat> uh, several years later, in 2003, a Major League Baseball player that was taking the same thing for other purposes uh, had a heart attack and died. And so the FDA, I think that's what it's called, came in, and they banned it. And they said, you can't produce that anymore. You can't take it anymore. So I, I called a friend of mine that, that used to be in that kind of work. Um, and I said, well, what's the deal here? I said, that, that was like a miracle for me. I, I've never had any type of thing that I've taken that, that just helped me more than that. And here's what he said. I quote, he said, oh, It's ridiculous. He said, you know, because of the abuse of a few, they punish everybody else. He said, I know exactly what you took. And he said, what you took was was a minuscule amount of what this man took. He took many, many, many times over that. And so it made his heart beat too fast and he died and he did die because of it. But he died not because of what you took. It was the same thing, but in in many, many other manifold extra doses. And so a lot of people, they're punishing a lot of people. I think sometimes that happens with, with other, other types of things. I could give you other illustrations, but that's not the purpose of the message. All of us would wish for a, a miracle pill, a miracle treatment, a miracle drug that would come along and take care of our aches and pains, but that's not, that is not the reality. And yet the Bible has solutions to areas that we neglect, uh, things that we struggle with, areas in which we're broken. Especially in the Old Testament, sometimes in the New Testament, the Bible compares our sin to sickness. Now sickness has has symptoms. And uh, most of the time doctors treat symptoms because that's that's what they do. They're not bad people. Pain is a symptom. And so they they treat the pain, but they don't treat the cause or the source of the pain, and they do the best that they can with that. But what we need is is healing we need correction at the source, at the root, not the fruit and one of those areas, one of those root matters that we have problems in our life is the area of resentment. Now resentment is a a response to a wound that you've had in your heart that's cultivated in the mind. I want to say that again because I said that quickly. Resentment is a response because resentment is a symptom. Resentment is the response, and here's the root, to a wound that you've had in your heart but is cultivated in the mind. Now, in recent days, I've been preaching on on uh, jesus the healer we talked about how that he can heal our bodies and how that he can heal our mind we talked about how that he can heal your mind from guilt and how that he can heal your mind from cynicism how that can he can heal your mind from discouragement all of these messages are on on the website if you were not here for them i would encourage you to listen to them i think they're helpful to you And now we're talking about how that he can heal your mind from resentment. And this is about three or four messages. I think this is the third one we've given to it. And I want to talk to you again about that today, about uh, Jesus can heal you from resentment. Resentment is is destructive. It's destructive. And here's what I want to give you today, kind of the, the big idea and Really, hang my thoughts upon it's. A, uh, I would say it's a Bible study, but hopefully, any time I, I give you something, that we open the Word of God and we look at some things. But today really is uh, something that I've never uh, given to the church before. I've studied it for my own my own help, but I want to give it to you because I think it will help you. Resentment will destroy your health. It will destroy your health. Whenever you sin, it brings tension in your spirit. And when you have tension in your spirit, it brings tension in your body. Your body's not in harmony with itself when your spirit is not in harmony with God. Resentment will destroy your body. Now, I ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to underline something. And if I could ask you to... Perhaps take notes, not for me, but for you. Uh, We'll go through some verses quickly. And uh, we won't have time to turn to all of them. But I think that later you'll want to look up some of these and mark them. But notice in Hebrews chapter 12, which is one of the definitive verses on bitterness in the Bible. We've looked at it almost every week as we've gone through this topic. And the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15... It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. And the, the, the solution to resentment is God's grace. You're going to get hurt. But God will give you the grace to forgive, the grace to deal with that. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up. And there's a process. I'm not going to review that. I've gone through this. About how resentment grows up and it finally surfaces. Lest any root of bitterness spring up. Now what notice this? You may want to underline this in your Bible, trouble you. Notice that trouble you. Resentment troubles you. The word trouble there, trouble you there it means to disturb you. Resentment will trouble you. It will disturb you. It affects your mental health. And it also affects your physical health. Resentment is not good for your physical health. It will destroy your physical health. Could I go so far as to say this? Some of you have some physical maladies that you need not have. Some of you may be paying doctor bills that you need not pay for because you're holding a grudge, you're angry. You're bitter sometimes for decades. the longer you hold that, the longer your your spirit is in tension. it affects your body. The Bible often uses our bones you've heard me reference this, but I haven't gone in depth with it. I want to do this a little bit this morning our bones as a as a picture as a metaphor for the quality of our health now any any doctor or nurse that has gone through a basic course, will tell you this is true. Uh, inside of your bones is your bone marrow, and your bone marrow produces your, your blood cells, your white blood cells and your red blood cells, which are responsible for, for fighting infection. In fact, there, there are different blood cancers that people have. One of the ways they treat those, I have a couple of friends now that are having bone marrow transplants because they have blood cancers. And they need to... Something is wrong with their bone marrow. It's affecting their, their blood cells. And they've got to get the nature of their bones fixed so that they can produce the proper blood cells. I remember when I was researching the disease that I have and uh, some things... About, about bone marrow and bone marrow transplants because I thought, well, maybe maybe this will help me. I had some people that talked to me about it, and this is one reason I was interested in this. But I want to give you the biblical perspective on it today about what the Bible teaches about our health and, and uses the matter of the bones and what the Bible says about that and come back to the idea that when you are full of resentment which is sin it's a sin against god god doesn't want you to be that way he's given you the tools he's given you the weapons against that so you need not live in that tension with yourself and with with others some of you are troubled this morning you're troubled by a parent that has alienated you you're troubled by children that have forgotten you a brother or sister that has borrowed money from you, not paid it back. A friend that has been disloyal to you. A company that betrayed you. An institution. You've been in troubled for years, maybe decades. And you don't realize it's affected your health. This is just one of the things that bitterness, resentment does. Resentment affects your health. Let me give you some things here and as I said we'll go through these quickly because of, of time. First of all, unconfessed sin affects your health. When you tolerate sin in your life, you don't confess it. and You just live in sin and you refuse to open up your heart, confess it to the Lord. It affects your health. It doesn't just affect your relationship with God, but it creates that tension in your spirit. And then it affects your health. The Bible says in Psalm 6. Verses 1 and 2. Notice this. O Lord... By the way, this is uh, where he writes about God chastening him because of his sin. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak physically. I am weak. O Lord, heal me. For This is interesting. For my bones are vexed. Lord, heal me. I'm sick. My bones are vexed. The word vexed there means agitated. They're troubled. Again, he's he's at disharmony with God. And because he's at disharmony with God, there's a tension in his spirit. And when there's a tension in your spirit, there's going to be tension in your body. And he knows this. And he says, God, my body... It is not right with itself. And I, I pray, God, that you would help me. My, my bones are vexed. They're troubled. They're agitated. And, and the word bones there, he doesn't mean literally that he feels his bones trembling. It's representative of his body. Lord, I'm troubled. I shake. I'm not at peace. I can't sleep. Things aren't right. When David sinned, his confessional psalm, there are two psalms that he wrote after he sinned with Bathsheba and committed adultery. In Psalm 32, this is a glorious psalm, but it's an honest psalm. Psalm 32, in verse one, he said, "Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven." It's a wonderful thought. Whose sin is covered? Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. And in, now, watch this. And in who pay, pay attention to this. And in whose spirit is no guile. The word guile means deception. It has the idea of someone having a pure heart. And included in that idea is there's no resentment. It's a category, but it means there's no resentment. And I wouldn't wouldn't twist the word of God to say, in whose spirit there is no resentment. There's no guile. There's nothing in my heart that's alien to the will of God, that violates the will of God. Blessed is the man in whose spirit there is no resentment. When I kept silence, and here's what he means, when I when I refused to confess my sins, when I was under conviction, I didn't do it. My bones waxed old. And here's David confessing his sins to God, rejoicing that his sins have been covered, and he's recalling what it was like when he refused for almost that year for those nine or ten months, to confess his sins to God. And he says, my body waxed old. The expression there, waxed old, you can study this for yourself. It means to wear out, to decay, to be consumed, to waste away. I got old. My body decayed. It got old. My bones waxed old. I became an old man. Now, in chronological years, he was just a few months older. But if you looked at him, he began to. His face began to tell on itself. My bones wax old through my roaring all the day long. Now, what does that mean? The word roaring, if you look at it in the Hebrew language, it means to rumble or moan. And that's, I think, that's what he did. He just moaned. He just, 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 I hate this life. I I hate, I I don't feel good. And he just moaned as he walked through the day. Because of sin, when he kept silence, his sin was upon him. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. I believe that's God's hand of conviction calling him to come back. He was miserable. Day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Now watch this. My moisture, I used to read these verses and this didn't make sense to me until I paid attention I began to study it. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. What does that mean? My moisture, the word moisture there means, it means a juice which produces vigor and freshness. I'll tell you one thing it could mean. It could mean his bone marrow. Which produces the blood cells. Because I'm going to tell you, when you have infection, when you're sick, it takes away freshness and it takes away vigor. I know that. You don't feel well, you don't have energy. And here's what he's saying He said, Lord, Lord, I don't feel well, I don't have vigor. I feel like I'm drying up. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. The word drought means parched from the heat. Your sin, listen, your sin dries up your bones. It begins to dry up your health. You become old before your time. Listen, your age is just a number. I've known people that were chronologically old, but they had a spirit of youth. And I've known people that were young that were old because of their sin. Sin will make you old. Resentment will make you old. Carrying around this burden of anger and bitterness of how people violated you. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying that what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Again, another confessional psalm. Psalm 51 in verse 8 regarding the same event in David's life when uh, he committed adultery. He says, speaking to the Lord in a prayer, make me to hear joy and gladness. He lost his joy. And notice the figure he uses to describe this, that the bones thou hast broken may rejoice. And this wasn't a literal bone that was broken, but he says it feels this way. Lord, I don't I, I don't feel well. It just it just feels like my bones are crushed. Interesting how this word bones comes up and again. In terms of our health. And then in Psalm 38. He gives another. Uh, another Psalm of chastening. Uh, David writes this. And he says. Psalm 38:3, There is no soundness. In my flesh. Because of thine anger. Now watch this. Neither is there any rest. Any rest in my bones. Because of my sin. Now you've heard Jews say this. They'll say Shalom. Shalom. Uh, And sometimes we know, well, that's a greeting. But the word for peace, the word for prosperity, is the word shalom. The Hebrew word for rest there is the word shalom. Neither is there any shalom in my bones because of my sin. There's no rest. There's no peace. There's no prosperity in in my bones because of my sin. There's no rest in my body. There's no peace in my body because of my sin. Let me give you one other reference concerning unconfessed sin and what it does to our bodies. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30. A sound heart, that means a healthy heart, a whole heart, not the organ that pumps body but but the life. A sound person, a healthy person that's right with God is the life of the flesh. But envy... And envy is on the inner man. Envy is the rottenness of the bones. The word rottenness there, it means to decay. As, as a tooth would decay. Or, or a bone would begin to decay and, and lose its strength. And even begin to splinter. Envy is the rottenness of the bones. Envy, you can't see envy. It will show up later. Again, I wouldn't do violence to the Scripture here to say, as a secondary application, that resentment is as rottenness to the bones. My friend, listen. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, you're destroying your health. Speaking on resentment this morning, if you're carrying this burden of anger and bitterness and residual resentment, it's troubling you, Hebrews 12.15. It's disturbing you. Your spirit is not in harmony with God. But there's not just a spiritual problem. There's a physical problem. I'll give you another thought here. Sustained sorrow and grief can affect your health. Sustained sorrow and grief. Boy, I've been here. When you carry this, this grief, and it's not wrong to Sorrow. The Bible says God sorrows, God grieves. We're made in God's image. Don't let anybody tell you that. But when you, carry, when you carry this over a sustained period of time and you refuse the comfort of God, it will destroy your health. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 31.10. For my life is spent with grief. In other words, spent with grief means it's consuming my life. In my years with sighing, this is interesting, the word sighing there means to groan or mourn. And It means I can't even express words. They're, they're just sounds because of the depth of the pain. I can just sigh. I'm hurting so bad, I, I can't even express the words. My life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of my iniquity. Watch this. And my bones my bones are consumed. My bones are consumed. The word consumed there means they're shrinking, they're failing. They're not fulfilling their purpose. Now, look, I'm not a doctor. And I think if I put a doctor, even a Christian doctor, I, I don't know that he could fully explain this. Maybe he could. I don't know that there's been research. Surely someone has. But I haven't ever read it. And if you ask me to take the next two or three levels, I, I couldn't. But listen, I believe the Bible. And while the Bible is not a book of history, where it speaks of history is correct. And while the Bible is not primarily a book of science, where it speaks about science, it's correct. And so when the Bible here says, it says, and my bones are consumed because my life is spent with grief, then that's what's happening. My bones are failing. and You need to take it at face value. Sustained sorrow and grief can affect your health. Another thought, trials can affect your health. I should say a wrong response to trials. Trials need not destroy you, but a wrong response to trials can affect your health. The context of Psalm 102 is about trials and trouble. The verse before the one I'm going to give you, he talks about being in trouble. But notice what he says in Psalm 102 and verse 3. My days are consumed like smoke. The writer was a poet, and he used a lot of images. My days are consumed like smoke. Look, and, and my bones are burned as an hearth. Some of you have fireplaces, the old-fashioned kind. Had a, had a wooden hearth. The fireplace was extended. You, you build a fire, and the fire would come up, and it would dry out the hearth. Maybe you've been in bigger buildings or in some of the older places, and the hearth would get really warm. Now they kind of recess the fireplace and so forth. And you can put things up there and it's, it's not a problem. But the room would get hot and, and the hearth was, was very hot. My bones are burned as a hearth. My bones are being dried up because of my, because of my trouble. Are you going through something now and you're kicking back at God and, and you're resentful? Why, God, why did you put me in this place? It's going to drive your health. God, why did you allow this to happen? It's going to rob you not just of joy. It's going to rob you of some other precious things in your body, of years. Now, this is where it gets kind of personal. A negative spouse affects your health. A negative spouse affects your health. And every married person and every person that's thinking about getting married, you ought to pay attention to this. Proverbs chapter twelve verse four. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. That's a wonderful idea. But she that maketh ashamed is his rottenness in his bones. Lord ashamed there means to put to shame. There's a lot of ways you can put your spouse. I think you could say a man would do this too. Context is a, a woman that has virtue. And boy, she, she just makes her husband feel like a king. Or a man can make his wife feel like a queen. But when you put someone to shame, the Bible says, well, that's, that's, that's just not a good thing. Oh, no, it's more than that. You, you begin to have an effect upon their body. In the imagery here, you can't just say, well, it's like a rotten bone and then go on. What does that mean? Well, based on the other scriptures i you, and it's some more I'll give you in just a moment. It says rottenness to the bones. And, and the word rottenness, there's the one I gave you earlier. It means to decay as a tooth would decay and begin to crumble. Or as a bone would begin to splinter. Those of you that are married, you have an impact upon your spouse. You may not realize, but you do. Your negative spirit influences your kids, and it especially influences the person that you married. You can help them live longer. You can help the quality of their life. Now let me give you some things that can improve your health in the Word of God. Following the ways of God affects your health. This is a good thing. If you want to improve your health, you know, some of you go to the gym, you eat right. But if if you do these other things, if you're not right with God, a lot of that's to no avail. And if you neglect some of these things, you've got to incorporate these things too. Following the ways of God will affect your health in a positive way. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Because you're going to miss the mark. Rather fear the Lord. Depart from evil. See life from God's point of view. Fear Him. Depart from sin. When you do that. Verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel. And marrow. There it is. Marrow to thy bones. Now the Hebrews saw uh, digestion. In fact not just them. Other people see digestion as... As a place where, where life begins, a friend of mine, that's a doctor, he told me that, that death begins in the colon. And I, I suppose that's a saying with some doctors, that death begins in the colon. And so, thousands of years ago, they believed that health began in the gut. And so when they say, they spoke of health in the navel, navel was, the navel was, was a synonym for your health. So, when you fear the Lord, you depart from evil, you're not wise in your own eyes, it's health. It gives you health, it gives you strength. You can have a good diet, you can do all the other stuff, but if you're not wise, if you're wise in your own eyes, you neglect the wisdom of God, you play with sin, you don't fear the Lord, then it's not going to work. It's not going to be health to your navel. And it's not going to be marrow, and I've explained marrow already. It's not going to be marrow to your bones. It's going to affect your health. Sin affects your health. Resentment, anger brings tension into your life, and that affects your body. Here's a good one. I think I mentioned this several weeks ago. Let's look at it again. This is a good thing. A good report affects your health. A good report affects your health. You need to find people that give you good reports and hang around them. Uh, spouses, if you want your spouse to live a long life, start giving them good reports. Don't nag them a lot. Give them good reports. I know you, you need to deal with problems, but make it one to ten or something. And I mean one, one negative for ten positives. Now, that's not just good psychology. That's a biblical principle, not the ratio, but it ought to far outnumber because it has to do with the bones. Say, so prove that, preacher. Proverbs 15:30 The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. What makes your eyes light up? What brings you joy? What rejoices your heart? What lightens your eyes up? A good report makes the bones fat. Fat means abundant. It's a synonym in the Word of God for for health, for prosperity. A good report makes your bones fat. That's a good thing. Doesn't shrivel them up. Some of you, when you listen to the news all the time, I mean, what podcast do you listen to? Is it negative stuff? Are you just occupied with with just negative stuff all the time? Well look at our country. look at uh, you're all tense in your spirit. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't deal with that stuff. A good report, a good report. Think about people getting saved. Think about your kids. Some good things about your kids. Kids, you want your parents to live a long time. Give them good reports. Write them some healthy notes, some positive things. This is huge. Words are powerful. They influence the health of others. I've learned, especially not at just my age. I I think age has something to do with it. You become a little weaker and things probably affect you more. But because of verses like this, I've learned to strategically remove myself from situations and certain people because they're negative. Sometimes when you're a pastor, you just can't do that. And some of you are thinking right now, well, I'm married to one. What am I supposed to do? Well, you, you just have to pray for him. And if you're that one here this morning, you need to say, God, help me. I'm killing my family. And don't laugh. I'm serious. I'm killing my wife. I'm killing my husband. I'm killing my kids. A good report makes the bones fat. Here's another one kind of related to that. Pleasant words affect your health. Pleasant words. And I believe the speaking of pleasant words and being the recipient of pleasant words. I think it's both. If you're the speaker of them and you're the receiver of them, they affect your health. Some people I've learned, they don't know how to speak pleasant words. They're acerbic. They're sharp. Well, I I tell you, I just tell the truth. Well, there is a verse in the Bible that says, speak the truth with love. There's some other verses. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it necessary? Was that really necessary that you had to say that? Was it necessary? You know? Pleasant words. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb. Sweet to the soul. As, as honey is sweet to our palate, so they're sweet to a person's soul. But more than that, look at this. Their health, their health to the bones. Healthy words. Influence the health of others. Pleasant words. Delightful words. Now this is the Bible. This is not a psychologist. This is not me delving into mind games and secular psychology. This is the pure Word of God. This is what the Bible says. You need to learn to speak pleasant words. Speak them to your wife. Speak them to your husband. It ought to be most listen, if it's dominant at home, you'll be in the church. Some of you speak nicer to people in the church than you do your husband and wife. You speak nicer to other people's kids than you do your own. That's wrong. You're killing your family. It's wrong. It's a sin. And and, and your spouse and your kids have this resentment because they see this stuff. Just be nice. Be good. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. Laughter and a joyful heart affect your health. And again, I think it's the one that causes the laughter and the one that receives it. Now, if you do any research, you know that endorphins will are like painkillers. I've read a lot on this. And uh, that it, it's like a not just a shot, a chemical that comes out of your heart. It doesn't just make you feel good, but it's like a painkiller. And uh, I get tired easily because I won't go into it. And sometimes I have some pain. And I'll meander up to the kitchen. Paula's up there. She, she always wears her glasses down like this. And she's usually working on bills or something. She looks up at me. And I'll be standing there and say, Paula, I need some endorphins. Now I know you're thinking something bad right now. That's not what it is. But it is a good idea, Paula. So she'll look up. I said, I need some endorphins. So she'll stand up and she'll just hug on me. And I say, Well, tell me a joke. Just do something funny. And sometimes I won't even have to tell her. She just gives me endorphins. And then I like to have a merry heart. But I don't give her as many Dwarfans as I do. I, sometimes I tell her, I should say this because it sounds vain, but that's okay. Sometimes I say, you know, I would love to have me as a friend. I would laugh all the time. So I don't mean that in a vain way, but just as a fun way. Okay, enough of that. Strike that from the tape. Laughter and a joyful heart affect your health. Pro- Shut up, Tim. <laughs> Pro- I shouldn't have said it. Proverbs seventeen twenty two a merry heart doeth good like a medicine a glad heart a joyful heart it does good to a person like a medicine the word medicine there means it's curative it's curative some of you complain all the time you're negative you never rejoice well i'm just i'm just realistic i call it like i see it okay well, is a glass half empty or half full? Yeah, but there, it needs to be fuller. Well, there, there's there's half full. And and you know, someone said this. They said, you, you can be sober and not be serious, and you can be serious and not be sober. You have to think about that. I believe that. I'm not talking about being a clown. Some of you, you just never laugh. You never cause anybody to laugh. You just don't enjoy life. And part of it is just because of resentment. You've got this residual stuff hanging on. A merry heart does good life. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to be the one? And people don't even understand it, but they like to hang around you because you make them feel good. Because here's what, it's endorphins. But every time they're around you, I just feel good when I'm around them. You're just giving them medicine. you them medicine. And don't you like to be around certain people that when you're around them, When you all say they made me feel good. I enjoyed being with them. And aren't there people that don't add to your life? They just subtract to you. You I don't like to be with them. That was a heavy burden. And let me give you a little, the other side of the verse there. It's a little negative, and then we'll come back to something positive. Discouragement and depression can affect your health. Discouragement and depression. Notice the second part of the verse there. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit... Dry the bones. The word broken there means wounded. A wounded spirit. Discouraged. Depressed. It dries your bones. It withers away your bones. They become completely dry. The Hebrew word has the idea of no moisture. No moisture. Your bones begin to dry up. Because your spirit is broken. You've got to go to the fountain of life. Lord Jesus. Um, a few more here. Fasting can affect your health. Fasting can affect your health. Wonderful chapter on fasting, probably the best chapter in the Bible, solely dedicated to it. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as a morning, and thine health, this is all about fasting, and thine health shall bring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward or thy rear guard. It's an old English word. The Lord shall protect you all around, even from behind. Military calls it. having your six, man. God's going to protect you. Verse 11 And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. I like that. And what's this? And make fat thy bones. This is for a person that's fasting. He'll make your bones fat. Thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. He'll make your bones fat. Don't you want that? Here's all I'm saying as we've gone through this. There's a correlation between the health of your spirit and the health of your body. Now, that's not an exhaustive list. I just... Kind of picked out some primary verses to give to you this morning. That your health is related to your relationship with God. And some of you, I I preached about this, and you said, "You know, I need to get rid of that load." And I need to, but preacher doesn't know how deeply I've been hurt. No, I I don't, and I'm sorry about it. I, I really don't. But I do know it's destroying your life, and it's drying up your bones. And you don't even recognize it. It's destroying your countenance. You have no joy. It's affecting the way you talk to people. And you're destroying the people around you. Cancer doctors, one of the things they tell people when they're diagnosed with cancer. Some of you have had this happen to you. One of the first things they do, they will tell you this. They'll say, now listen, I want to tell you something. Your attitude in this has everything. And this is not whistling in the wind. They'll say, my patients that have a positive attitude towards the outcome have a better survival rate than those that have a negative attitude. Now, I don't understand all this, but they're able to fight it and recover better. There's something about being hope-filled rather than just saying, man, I'm going to die Armageddon's coming. Okay, I've got to believe and so forth. Doctors have a classification for some of our maladies. We don't talk about this anymore, but years past, they do sometimes now, but years past, they talked about a lot. Psychosomatic illnesses. Psycho means mind. Somo means body. So, mind, body. and The idea is that you're Your illness in your body is caused by your mind and emotions rather than organic cause. Now, to qualify this, listen, it doesn't mean that it's all in your head. That's not what it means, that there's nothing wrong with you. Here's what it means. It means that what is in your mind and heart is causing the physical expression of your illness. That's what it means. So it may be anger. It may be guilt. It may be cynicism. It may be discouragement. It may be... Resentment, but it's going to affect your life and your body and your relationships. There's nothing good about resentment. Somebody said this. They said no matter how long you nurse a grudge, it's not going to get better. Anger does more damage to the vessel in which it is stored than the object upon which it is poured. Anger does more damage to the vessel in which it is stored than the object upon which it is poured. It's destroying you. God wants to heal your resentment. Why don't you give it to Him? You've carried it for so long. F.B. Meyer said As we pour out our bitterness, God pours in His peace. One day, two monks were walking through the countryside. They were on their way to another village. And their job there was to help to bring in the crops. On their way to their responsibility, they spied an old woman sitting at the edge of a river. And she was crying. She was upset because there was no bridge to cross the river. The first monk kindly offered, We will help you cross the river if you would like she said thank you i would appreciate that so the two men joined hands they linked them together and they lifted her up and carried the old lady across the river they got to the other side they set her down and she went on her way after the two monks had walked another mile the second monk began to complain look at my clothes they're wet they're dirty from having to carry that old woman. And my back is hurting from having to lift her and carry her. It's getting stiff. The first monk just smiled and nodded his head. A few more, a few more miles up the road, the second monk began to gripe again. My back is hurting more. It's so bad. It's all because we had to carry that silly woman across the river. I can't go any further because of the pain. I've got to sit down. The first monk looked down at his partner who was now laying on the ground moaning. The first monk said, have you wondered why I am not complaining? He said, your back hurts because you are still carrying the woman. But I set her down five miles ago. What are you carrying this morning in your spirit that you should have set down a long time ago? I, I know they shouldn't have stolen the money. I know they should have paid you back. I know that school didn't do you right. I know they talked about you. I know they cussed at you. I know you shouldn't have got fired. But you should have set that down a long time ago. And it's not just affecting your spirit. It is troubling you. And it is affecting your body. And it's affecting the way that you speak to your family and to your friends. And this morning, if you would ask for God's help to forgive them. And to set it down, he will help you. I want you should bow your heads with me. Would you do that?